When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. This is like a marriage. Mackey and Judd. Might be boring, but it's stable. On 1500 ESPN. Four signs. Look at you mocking. You're just mocking fans. How do you feel as someone who just... Are you here by circle? Mocks with your tone. I feel feel pretty good about it. I feel okay. Not bad. Let's make some predictions here, gentlemen. Let's do three things. Twins wins. Major League Baseball playoff teams. So division winners, wild card, and then by extension, World Series winner. Um, So who plays in the World Series, who wins it. And then, just for fun, if you were to put together the best... The best roster in baseball of position players, so three outfielders and then one at every other position, five starters, three relievers. What would that look like for you? Uh, but let's uh, let's start with, let's just rip the bandit off right away here. Twins record. Go. Mm. Elaborate this, as much as you would like. This one was a little bit difficult. Uh, I feel that, that the improvement that we saw in 2017 was very real. I feel like the, the bullpen will definitely be improved and the starting staff as well. Uh, if Santana comes back in early May, that helps. I would not be surprised if there's also a trade made at some point uh, to keep this team either in contention or give them a real chance uh, to get a, into a playoff spot. I, With all that being said, I'm going to go 89-73. and 73. Okay. So I'm going to give them. I, so they're going to get towards 90. I was tempted to go there, but I'm not going to. So I'm going to put them on 89 victories and 73 defeats. A very solid season for the Minnesota Twins. And then, obviously, we will predict whether that's good enough for playoffs here in just a second. But we'll start with wins, Dave. 89, you say. It was 85 and 77 last year. The only thing I'm concerned about, a little bit of worry about Sano and Rosario and early injuries and, you know, third baseman being fat and out of shape and... Who knows what happens there. But the only thing I'm really worried about is the circle me curse now, which could really affect this group. But I say they rise above it with, as Judd mentioned, the improvements in the bullpen and the starting rotation to reach over 90 wins. 91 will be the total victory. So that makes it 91 and 71. Well, we're going to keep climbing the optimism ladder here. Ooh, shocking. Let me start with a couple projection systems. It's okay. The Twins homer of the group. It's okay. 
Uh, baseball prospectus has him at 83 wins and a 28% playoff chance. Mm-hmm. Number Fire, which does simulations, has 78 wins for a projection, which I don't know. I'm not trying to Who comprehend Who do you trust that. more of those two that you just gave me? Like who's who's ordinarily more on point? Probably Number Fire. Wow, okay. Um, and they have 15% playoff odds. Huh. But again, like they had these these two publications had the Twins below 500 last year too, and they were and they were fine. So, uh, I the the reason why these publications in their simulations and they're credible, you know, like they, what, Baseball Prospectus called the Rays breakout in 2008 that nobody saw coming, and uh, and the reason why they don't see the Twins as optimistically as you guys or I do, part, partially because it doesn't live and breathe in Minnesota, so like there's some bias here, but. Also, like Byron Buxton, I think is going to break out and be. I think he gets MVP votes. I think he's going to win a Gold Glove again. I think he breaks out offensively and he becomes one of the most valuable players in baseball starting this year. But they're not going to account for that. They're going to look. They're going. To, their projection for Byron Buxton is going to be kind of tepid. I might hit 15 home runs. I think he breaks out. That's factored into my projection of 92 wins. So you got 89. Dave's got 91. I've got 92. I also think they make a move at the deadline to increase their chances the second half of the year. And these, like, prospectus number fire, they're giving you, here's the roster, and here's the history of the roster, and here's our output. Mm-hmm. If they add Cole Hamels or Chris Archer at the trade deadline, that number's going up even more, yeah, obviously. Yeah. So uh, Judd 89, Dave 91, I've got 92, playoff teams, and World Series winner, Judley. All right, American League, your, your division champions will be Cleveland in the Central. Yankees in the East, Astros in the West. Your wild card teams will be the Boston Red Sox and the Minnesota Twins. All right. In the National League, your division winners will be Cubs in the Central, Nationals in the East, Dodgers in the West. Your wild card teams, the Cardinals, and surprise, surprise, but I think they're going to jump up a lot. The Philadelphia Phillies. I like the Phillies. They were the the. It, Arietta signing certainly helps. I think they're a nice young team. So Cardinals and Phillies. Yeah. And then my World Series is the Yankees and the Cubs. Wow, that'd be so fun. And the Yankees win at the World Series. Has that ever happened? Have the Yankees ever played the Cubs in the history of baseball in a World Series? Who did I mean, the 1945 Cubs play would be the only... That was the, the Tigers, right? Tigers? They played, I believe... The, I, I believe... Oh, they might have I'll played in that. like the 30s or something. That. But, uh, but that would be... That'd be but, a lot of fun. Yep. And so you've got who winning that World Series? The Yankees. Yankees winning the so back on top. The Yankees are the world champions. Yes. The Yankees, Yankees win. All right, David. My American League uh, matches yours exactly. Yankees, Indians, Astros win the division. Boston and Minnesota are your wild card teams. Differ a little bit in the National League. Washington uh, wins the East. Cubs, as much as I hate to do it, uh, they win the Central. I'm going to go with the wild card out of the West. Dodgers fall to the team that I believe finished second place last year, the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are going to pop up and win the NL West. Watch it, mark it. It's happening. The Dodgers will be a wild card team as well as the Milwaukee Brewers. Ooh, they will be I a like playoff it. team this year. Good. And then uh, what happens after that? Here's where it gets interesting. <laughs> Here's where it gets really interesting. The Dodgers ride the momentum of a playoff or a wild card game victory all the way to the World Series. 
where they lose again because they will be trounced by the New York Yankees. Wow. Mm. So we end up with the same champion. And by the way, I'm looking here. It looks like the Cubs and Yankees, as far as I can find, have uh, matched up in a World Series in 1932. Oh, as the Yankees won in seven games. It was a fantastic. Yes, yeah, it was really good. Seven game series. Joe uh, Buck was had a great call all series long. Sure he did. Uh, so we're all anticlimactic in the American League. We all three match in the American League. I've got Indians, Yankees, Astros winning divisions, Twins and Sox, Red Sox, Sox. playing each other. Now that that's gonna be a fun little wild card game, depending on yeah. what it'll be fun at Target Field or Fenway Park. But it'd be a change of pace too, because the Twins always play the Yankees in the playoffs. Twins win that one. So uh, if they now if they have to face Chris Sale, good luck to them in that game. But uh, Twins and Red Sox, and then in the National League, I've got Cubs, Nationals, Dodgers winning divisions, with Diamondbacks wild card again. And Brewers, the other wild card team, All right. getting in. I like it. The Brewers outfield, they have a stacked lineup. I mean, like Christian Yelich might not be a household name. He was a, he was buried with the Marlins the last couple of years. Christian Yelich emerges as one of the best players in baseball this year. Tough to quantify. Write that down. I don't know. He's going to be the man. He's going to be the man. And Milwaukee, at least. Exactly. I've got Astros and Nationals in the World Series. The, the Nationals keep coming up short, but with Bryce Harper and Max Scherzer, like at some point, put it together. Steven Strasburg, that's a loaded roster. I think they put it together, get to the World Series, and then get beat by the Astros, who win back-to-back World Series championships. Uh, so you guys have the Yankees winning the title. Yep. I've got the Astros. Do we all have the Twins in the playoffs, or did you leave them out, Judd? We all in. have the Twins in the playoffs. Wild card. Wild card game against the Red Sox. Yep, yes. That's right. Uh uh, right on. All right. Uh, so just for fun, if you were to put together the best nine-man roster position players with uh, five starting, well, I guess it would be eight position players, five starting pitchers, and three relievers, what would your best team in baseball look like? Should I go first Go here? first. All right, cool. Yep. Uh, so I would go heavy Yankees here on, on a couple spots. Catcher would be Gary Sanchez. First base. I could flip a coin here between a couple guys, but I'm going to go Paul Goldschmidt would be my first baseman. Jose Altuve, tough to leave him out at second base. Francisco Lindor would actually be my shortstop. I'm including some defensive components here, too, and he's incredible with the Indians. Mm-hmm. Uh, third base, Nolan Arenado. Mm-hmm. Outfielders would be Aaron Judge, Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, although I could listen to Byron Buxton in center field if you think he's going to break out. He's a better defensive player than Mike Trout is right now. And then starting pitching... I'd have to go Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, uh-huh. Chris Sale, uh-huh. Corey Kluber. Uh-huh. And then, God, it's like, there's like, there's we're about so to match. Many. If, if you say one more we, uh, name, we're about to match on <laughs> starting pitching. And, all right, I'll go, uh, God dang it. <laughs> when he's healthy, I don't think we're going to match on. You know what? Carlos Carrasco. I'm going to okay. go Carlos Carrasco. I'm going to break That's the it. strikeouts. All right. Uh, like, there's a million other, like, Steven Strasburg, Luis Severino. There's a bunch of guys you could put on that list. I'm going to go. I think Carlos Carrasco emerges in ace territory along with Kluber this year for the Indians. And then uh, relief pitching, Araldis Chapman, Kenley Jansen. I want all of those strikeouts. And then uh, Craig Kimbrell. He gets a lot of strikeouts, too. I would say yep. Craig Kimbrell with the Reds. That guy struck out. 16 batters per nine innings last year. And which he's got that funky, that funky arm kind of hangs down for sure. Yeah. All right, fire away. 
Okay. There might be some matching here, obviously, but just just a fun experiment. There are. Uh, catcher, I, I'm actually going to do what you did at shortstop and go a little bit defensive and go Yadi Molina at catcher. I think he's fantastic. My first baseman, also different from you, Joey Votto. My second baseman, Altuve. Not going to fight you there. Shortstop, uh, Carlos Correa. Thir- third base, I was going to go Arenado, but I, I called late audible and actually switched to Chris Bryant. Ooh. My outfield is Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, uh, and uh, Giancarlo Stanton. I would DH if I could Aaron Judge. My starting pitchers are the exact same as yours. Uh, Kershaw, Scherzer, Kluber, Sale. The only difference is I pick Strasburg, although it scares me because he gets hurt a lot. And then my uh, my three bullpen guys are Canley Jansen, Kimbrell, Wade Davis. All right. So those would be my three guys. Pretty good baseball team right there. Pretty good ball club. I'm broke, but yeah, it's a good team. You'll win some games. A couple games, yep. All right, let's take it around the diamond. First base, I agree. Uh, Joey Votto's my guy there. Uh, up the middle, I have an all-Houston uh, up the middle. It is Altuve and Correa for me. Yeah. Think about that. Th- that team has bleeping Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve turning double plays. That's okay. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, just, I'll take it. Just okay. I'll God. take it. Uh, Chris Bryant is my third baseman. I feel good with him there. I'm going Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, and Mookie Betts out in right field, not only because he's a great player, but he can organize bowling trips every once in a while and get us into the lanes for free. Always a big-time asset. Yeah, Yeah, a big team-building thing right there. Um, I'm stuck behind. I I had Yadi Molina written down behind the plate, but the pitching staff is so bleeping good, we don't need defensive help. No. just give me a little more offense. I want my leader there. Give me a little more offense with Buster Posey. I'm fine with that. I'll take him behind the plate. Yeah. Uh, my starting staff, I mean, come on, Kershaw, Kluber, Sale, Scherzer, and I'm bringing him out of, I assume, God, he's been retired for, what, five years now? Colfax? Bruce Chen is coming out of retirement because nice, we need, need a it. change of pace guy. And you don't really need to, it could just be a bullpen game. For exactly. Yeah. We don't need five guys all just bringing Magic nasty tricks, sliders exactly. in heat. Just Bruce Chen, just throw me some lefty slop up there and we'll get a win every fifth day because the guys can't adjust just to you. Just a puff of smoke and a 78-mile-an-hour fastball that just floats up to the plate. As far as the bullpen, we're not really going to need you, but just in case, I guess we'll take Andrew Miller, Araldis Chapman, and Craig Kimbrell. Kimbrell only because he pisses Reavers off with that <laughs> hawk thing with the right arm. Yeah, and, and, deal. and his hat is slightly askew. I mean, come on, you get know that what? hat You're right. right. Get that hat Andrew right. Miller's out. Fernando Rodney, you're in. Wow. I'm oh. taking you two. Just for the experiment. GL, Just you're to done. Stick it, it to Reavers and GL. GL's done with you, Aragon. <laughs> uh, are you in or out on Circle Me Bird? Let's uh, let's open it up for for feedback. Are you? Does this does this anger you? Does this infuriate you that FSN has has ditched Circle Me Bird as a uh, thing that's been around for 15 years? Six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred ESPN. Uh, I don't know why I said ESPN, but we're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd now continue. The sooner the better. On 1500 ESPN. R.I.P., man. I made my side. Dude, I can't stop reading I these responses. Oh, I, I know. They're fantastic. I swear I had no idea. It was always a fun promotion. Didn't realize the outrage. By the way, if you're outraged, what do you, you know what? Here's another question. Like, what are your thoughts? The, not, not just about the Circle Me Burt thing, but Burt's down to 80 games. They got a bunch of other sort of part-time color commentators that they're circling in. Including Morneau now for this year. Well done. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the Twins' current broadcast team? 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. So what do we got now? We've, we have Tori, 
We have Roy for a bunch of games. We have Latroy. Morneau's going to mix in for a handful of games. And then Jack still does games, correct? Yeah, he doesn't do very many games. So that's anymore. one, two, three, four. So we got six guys total if you include Burt's 80 games as analyst. Yeah. Did they try to get A.J. Pierzynski at one point? He would seem like they, a logical candidate. I know they liked despite him. Despite the fact that fans boo him inexplicably. I know they liked him, and I they might have talked to him at one point, but I believe, didn't he take a job last year with the White Sox where he's like an ambassador of some sort for the White Sox? Oh, really? I suppose he did win a World Series yeah. with them. So he, he works for them now. Uh, but they definitely talked to him. And I saw A.J. early last season working on a, a national game on Fox Sports 1. He was outstanding. Oh, he's incredible. I mean, he was well, he, he has opinions. Fantastic. Like, he's a guy who has actual opinions and isn't worried about ruffling feathers. Or That's well, why Dallas Braden's always been great as an analyst, too. And now he's at Barstool Sports, so he can drop F-bombs left and right. <laughs> yes. so, and he just like I listen grow, to it sometimes. grows out his hair and beard. He's, I think it's this podcast is called Starting Nine, and it's really good. Um, but... Yeah, it's 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 the first time in a long time where where maybe you're looking at a new either a new color commentator officially or uh, some transition. Like in this circle me Bert thing is pretty obviously a transition to whatever's next in some way. But I understand that people are like people get attached to baseball traditions. The amazing thing about this is there is no move that, that the Twins made uh, that would affect their on-field product that gets this much response. <laughs> There's nothing. I mean, Lance Lynn signed. That's a, That's a big deal. That's a great signing, right? And and there were tweets about it. But if you went through and audited the amount of Circle Me Burt tweets compared to Lance yeah. Lynn or something, I bet it's not close. Well, like, here's an email. We got a couple emails on this here. Um, this is from Scott. Circle Me Burt take. Does the public outcry about getting rid of Circle Me Burt surprise you guys? Baseball is the ultimate game of tradition, and people hold these traditions pretty close to the vest, even from a broadcasting point of view. I could personally care less, but I totally understand the angst about getting rid of it. FSN should probably reconsider or risk alienating a lot of fans. I do think they're – I guarantee they're talking about the backlash sure. today and last night. But And this is where baseball is so much different. In the in the NBA, it's like, well, let's put a new line on the court. And everyone's like, oh, that'd be sweet. So we get three points now? Let's go to a shootout in, fo- in hockey. Yeah, exactly. And people are like, oh, it's, it's, it's a awesome. skills competition. Yeah. In baseball, it's like – uh, so we're thinking about maybe being able to review whether that was a home run or not. No! No! But How dare you stop this but, game But my grandfather and I watched? The angst that the Bly Levin tweet caused is what's hysterical. Because they are, they're not telling people not to bring their signs. And I, my guess is that Burt can still circle them. It's just How not tied into the lottery anymore. But it's not like a so WWE pay-per-view where like half the audience has a sign in your... How many people... Actually, bring signs to Twins games. Well, like it's it's not like there's a million signs that. Am I wrong on that? My uh, my spies told me that that it did get to a point where um, the FSN folks at times had to be very creative and let's say perhaps do their own signs and hand them to a fan and say, "Bird's gonna circle you." Act excited. So would they just be like generic signs? Sure, twins, or I, would they be, or would they be specific to the I person? I was just, I was, my spies from from my <laughs> from back in my media column days informed me that they had to actively, proactively, perhaps find someone to take a sign and be like, "Oh, this is great." And then, of course, they they get their uh, they got their tickets after that. So six five one six four six eight two five five. Actually, I will say, in defense of FSN, there was nothing that led me to the mute button quicker. And this is all due respect to Kevin Gorg and Marnie Gellner, who are just put in an impossible situation. Then like, all oh, right, yeah. here's, here's like 60 seconds interviewing 
some random fan from Oshkosh. Genevieve from St. Peter. Right. Like, so what are those stories? Whose birthday is it? It's my birthday. Oh, so how far did you drive? Ah, we drove 500 miles. Like, God. 95 years young. I feel so bad for Marty and Kevin. You are here by circle. And uh, there's a new pitcher on. He's five and six this season with a 4.32 ERA. Hailing from Los Angeles, California, where it's sunny today and 85 degrees. Dick? <laughs> well, thanks, Bert. 651-646-8255. What's up, Mike? Hey, um, I think you guys are forgetting one thing. I, I could care less about the circle, Bert, too, but... You got to remember the big picture. These are fans that have gone to see a team, you know, that has lost a hundred games for whatever, and now we're finally getting a little bit better. But that's still in their mind. They, you guys, get free tickets and can go whenever you want. But they paid good money to go watch a horrible team for so many years. So when they come in from Racine, Wisconsin, that's just some little thing to distract them their attention from watching <laughs> but the team's good now mike team. but the team's good now the it's team, not horrible the, the team's been good more often than not during the circle me bert era too in fairness like it started when they were really good back in 2002 well the, the thing about being good now we were promised when the new guys came in that they were going to go get a starting pitcher and obviously they backed off that and when you look at the actual playoffs oh, nobody has gotten to the final four if you want to say it that way without a without an ace pitcher. So we're still playing that game of trying to fight against guys with guns when we only have a stick or something because we didn't go get our starting pitcher. So I still don't think we're going to be that good because nobody really goes very far without an ace, and we still don't have one. So You were here by circle. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. You were here by circle. That turn, that conversation turned into something. <laughs> All right. All right. Listen, hey, we're not even like it's not about ripping the circle me birth thing. I'm just saying. I, I didn't realize how attached people were to it. It was my fault for not realizing that. Nancy, you're on the show. Oh, uh, this is like in about two thousand six. I went to a game in Baltimore with the twins. My daughter went to college out there. And there was a hour rain delay, so people were drinking heavily. <laughs> Well, during the game, behind me were Baltimore fans. In front of me were some guys in mid-20s with Circle Me Bert signs. So they're standing up during innings, in between innings with the Circle Me Bert sign. So they're yelling, sit down, sit down. So I finally had to turn around and go, look, they're trying to get circled on TV with Bert Bylevin. Who's that? It's like, I know who Jim Palmer is. You should know who Bert Bylevin is. But yep. I had to calm them down because they were ready to rumble. So they didn't even <laughs> so, they didn't even know who Bert Bylevin was. That's crazy. They didn't know who Bert Bylevin is, and they, the guys were just standing up in between innings with the Circle Me Bert signs. So yeah. I had to explain to them, they're trying to get on TV with their Circle Me Bert signs. Wow. It was just it was just like, oh my God, they're all drunk. <laughs> yeah, like it's definitely Nancy. Thank you for the safety anecdote. problem. That's that what it was. Getting rid of it? Yeah. The Circle Me Bird thing was a safety issue. I feel like, I mean, American Idol, well, it came back, I guess, but like American Idol on Fox said goodbye after 14 years or but, something. And but they're not. Like David Letterman stepped down but, after, like at some point, a bit runs its course. Sure. And, but you're still, but they're still going to do it. And, and in fact, they're going to, they're still going to do it in the way that it started. 
I think somebody probably what Phil five five years in said let's sponsor this because it's popular, and all they're saying now is we're, we're going to have a different sponsored bit. But if you want to bring your sign for eighty games, listen. If you're Tory or Latroy or Smalley or Jack in the games that Bird is off, it probably gets annoying when when they say into your ear, "Okay, it's circle me time." Well, what the hell do I care? I'm not Bert Blylevin. Yeah. Well, they could. Why like, couldn't they just when Bert? Couldn't they just have a separate thing that has nothing to do with the Minnesota State Lottery? Just like when Bert's in for 80 games. Yeah, that's probably here, what they'll do. You get to circle fans. Do whatever you want. Like you can still circle people. The Telestrator works. Uh, we'll do it one time per game. It'll just be like the circle cam or something. Like, it'd be pretty easy to keep it live for the 80 games the Burp Lylevin's in the booth, and right? I'm sure they will. Yeah. I'm sure they're going, I'm sure they're not going to take his telestrator away. Perhaps they should. Yeah, like, but like they here's won't. one. This is a, a TJ tweet in the show. I don't love or hate Circle Me Burt. One suggestion might be to do it on certain dates, i.e., Circle Me Burt Tuesdays. Circle TJ, Me Burt Tuesdays. Very, very reasonable. Every Tuesday home game or whatever, road game too. Yeah, just bring your sign and Burke can circle you. I agree with that caller, Mike. Though, I think everyone should be fired from this front office for breaking promises. <laughs> Cheap poll ads, and now this is their fault too. They're taking away the signs. <laughs> that's all. That's all Jim's fault. Uh, we're gonna get to Matt Hasselbeck in like fifteen or twenty minutes, but Dave's got some stuff first when we come back. A dilemma in the Bronx, and like father, like son, son in Montreal. Phil Mackey. I just love the fact that every time he comes on, you get insight about stuff that you don't know. Judd Zolgad. Every time he's just full of insight, he's, he's kind of an open book. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. That stuff you should know about is sponsored by LinkedIn. Hiring businesses rate LinkedIn 40% higher than job boards at delivering quality candidates. For a $50 credit toward your first post, visit LinkedIn.com slash traffic. Terms and conditions apply. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps as we honor America and the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. Like father, like son, you say, David Harrigan? Let's go right to that then, shall we? You always like to kick it off. And Vlad Guerrero Jr., Looks to be starting in double-A with the Toronto Blue Jays. They wrapped up their spring spring season yesterday, playing a little exhibition game in Vlad's father's former home, Montreal. Vlad Guerrero Jr. going deep with a walk-off bomb, but when you're in Montreal, you got to do it in French, too. That's pretty cool. So they he was wearing number 27, yes. his dad's number, and someone had the side-by-side of Vlad swing, Vlad senior swing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's the same swing. Yes, it is. And this dude is 19 years old, and he he might be up very soon. And you put the very ball soon. anywhere, 
he will hit it. Yes. I'm sure just like that. Yeah, he's really good. But once again, the, the French broadcast has so much more fun. I love those. I love those calls. They have so much. There's so much more joy and celebration than we get here. Here, you know, it's a long fly, but it's a home run. Okay, that's a fine call. But the amount of celebration, I love well, that. Well, people, people rip on Yankees guy, Sterling. At least he exhibits some yeah, creativity and catchphrases too, I guess. But, but you can't have it both ways. You I can't just, rip him and then want more creativity I just love and the celebration. Sound of that. I love the sound of that. People rip John Sterling? Gary is scary. Gregorius makes Yankee fans euphoric. <laughs> Gardy goes yardy. All rise. Here comes the judge. That's just a sampling. Jeez. What we don't segue, know. <laughs> Is what John Sterling will use when he gets his very first Giancarlo Stanton home run. Apparently, he has uh, made his choice. He knows what he's going to do, but he's playing it close to the vest, boys. Oh, boy. In a spring well, training get game. Of practice this year. He called it a Stantonian blast. Yeah. But that is just a placeholder. He says it's something that rhymes. Uh, what does he say? Uh, this one is different. It's an Italian phrase that rhymes. I don't know if anyone will get it. I'm really worried. Well, not really worried. In <laughs> fact, I'm not worried. Let's just say I'm mildly concerned. Boy, I hope it works. It may not. Oh, so he's a little insecure about. He's a call. little con- mildly, mildly concerned, it, as he said. It may not work. I mean, he's had ones that didn't work before and seems to, to be just fine it with seems that like they all work to me uh i read <laughs> this story scary. i mean the, the quotes came from new york times awful announcing then linked to it yeah their theory and i think it might be nailed buongiorno giancarlo oh my god or no. giancarlo says buongiorno you know bring it on bring no. it on you no. know what no bring it on no, I'm I'm all for. Hey, I, I'm not as down on John Sterling as Judd is here, but I'm not that, that, would, down on that him. would jump the shark. Do it. By the way, you're you're gonna have to call it like 30 times just at home games. He game, can change so it. He can change it around a little bit. So you got to figure out figure out a good one because it's gonna be your most called home run. He can change it, perfect it, maybe. More problems at Yankee Stadium. Blue Point Brewing Company, based out of Long Island, serve was planning to serve what you could call the Pinstripe Pilsner. You can order your beer at Yankee Stadium. They have a special little device that makes an image in the foam at the top of the beer, a face of a player or a logo or something like that. Well, MLB has already come down hard on it, boys. Do not permit active players to be involved in the advertising or promotion of alcohol-related products. We caught wind of the idea and quickly issued what amounted to a cease and desist order. Knock it off. Wow. So a creepy photo of Mariana Rivera at the top of your beer yes, foam. Yes, like an Aaron Judge. Is, it uh, was really, I saw pictures. It, it looks weird. Yes. It looked really it weird. It almost looks, it, you know, like these crazy people who go to McDonald's and think they see, you know, like Jesus Christ in their <laughs> Big Mac, in their Big Mac yeah. uh, special sauce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's Judgment Day in my phone. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Mr. October? Let's play this again. Uh, Mookie Betts in right field yesterday for the Red Sox as they were uh, taking on the Cubs. Chris Bryant at the plate, and we're doing the mid, uh, mid-game mid interview. Betts on the field and right, and they're talking bowling with Carl Ravitch and the ESPN guys. It wasn't a walk-off. You didn't just drop the mic and walk off knowing this is a strike and I'm done. I wanted to, but um, <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, it's etiquette, you know, right. bowling etiquette. You can't. Right. 
There you go. I, I ain't getting this one, boys. <laughs> Get on your horse. Don't miss the cutoff. Mookie bets tracing down a triple and right. Is that like change that's jingling? What I jingling there? It's a chain around chain. his neck. He's, okay. he's got a lapel microphone like, and it's his not chain. not carrying the mic in his sounds butt like pocket. Sounds like he's got change in his pocket. No, yeah, the, the microphone is clipped on his jersey, and he's got some uh, $10,000 Okay, then I'm glad to know that. Thanks for straightening me out. One more quick or good? Nah, okay. Let's get it off so we can get to Matt Hassel. All right, Matt Hasselbeck will join to talk some quarterbacks, uh, Kirk Cousins, Vikings, Dan Hayes on Twins in less than an hour. Uh, let's get to Judd Zolgad here, sincere Judd Zolgad. This is very sincere. Mortgage Lending. Uh, yes, I am as sincere as possible in telling you that if you're considering your options when it comes to mortgage companies, I've got a suggestion for you, my friends at Prime and Kent McCullough, and here's why. This isn't about simply selling you on something. Prime wants to earn your trust first. In fact, they would rather earn your trust than sell you that loan. That's right. That means that while Prime would love to have you as a client, they want to meet with you first and explain their plan, and then the decision is up to you. This is about a couple of things that are key to both Kent and Prime. Teamwork and collaboration. That's what Prime's about. That's what they believe in. And if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. For instance, Prime wants to take some of the mystery out of the mortgage process for you. The example, did you know Prime may may be able to put together a program that can pay your closing costs? Not just include them in your loan, but actually pay them for you. Once again, this is about... You and Prime and Kent, it's about teamwork, it's about collaboration. Here is the the website to go to to check it out, goprimewithkent.com. That's goprimewithkent.com, goprimewithkent, K-E-N-T dot com. Mackie and Judd back after this. Phil Mackey. He tells you things and you're like, oh, wow, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Judd Zolgad. One of the greatest screwballs I ever met in my life, but uh, interesting fellow. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Hey, we're celebrating opening day tomorrow by giving away copies of MLB The Show 18 throughout the Mackie and Judd show. The entire show. Be listening 9 to 1 for the ESPN baseball update chimes to sound off. And when that happens, be the fifth caller. Those chimes will play two times an hour during the entire show, 9 to 1, tomorrow. I think he does a great job of seeing the field. I think he does a great job of uh, moving from one side to the other with, with his uh, with his eyes and, and going on in different reads. Uh, he's, he's, I think he's excellent in play action. I know every time we, we've played against him, he's been really, really good in play action. Uh, Matt Hasselbeck is uh, scheduled to join here shortly, so we'll talk. I know he actually, there's, a, there's an article from Bleacher Report that came out a couple of years ago in early January of 2016. And in that article, it details a conversation between Kirk Cousins, this is like early in Kirk Cousins' starter career, uh, asking Hasselbeck about leadership and just how to be a general on the field and how to command a room of 52 guys in a huddle. And Hasselbeck has an interesting story because he was a sixth-round pick in the mid to late 90s, like 1998, I want to say, by uh, by Green Bay. And he sat as a backup. Now, Cousins was a third-round pick, maybe fourth, so a little bit. But, you know, neither one were first-round draft picks. They both sat behind other quarterbacks. In the case of Cousins, he sat behind RG3, not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, so he didn't have to wait as long. Yeah, Hasselbeck sat behind a Hall of Famer in Brett Favre. But then once he got his shot in Seattle, he was 26 years old. Really good. And things took off from there. Actually, he uh, he wasn't the full season starter in 2001. I'm not sure if there was an injury or what happened there, but uh, but Hasselbeck took off and then kind of kind of peaked in his like early 30s. So there's a lot of interesting parallels to maybe be drawn between Hasselbeck and Kirk Cousins, guy who goes from sitting on the bench, soaking things in, and then eventually here's your chance to be a starter once you're a little bit later on in your career. Cousin or. Uh... 
Yeah, Kirk sat for what, two years, basically? RG3 had the great rookie year, and then he got hurt, and then started to fail after that. But yeah, Hasselbeck was, in fact, I covered I covered the playoff game. Seattle-Green Bay was at 2003, yeah. I believe, the fa- famous one where it went to OT at Lambeau. Yeah. And the Seahawks won the toss, and Hasselbeck said, "We're going to take the ball and score." Yeah, I think. You but know, he was good. He turned into a really good quarterback. He did. Like never the best quarterback no. in the NFL, but always like right in that sort of top ten mix, and played a long career. And the more I think about Kirk Cousins, and man, like they could have spent less money for Case Keenum over here, and uh, whatever. Sam Bradford was probably never an option, but there's cheaper options out there. It all crystallizes when you think of it this way. You just want a sure thing above average in the NFL, first and foremost, at quarterback. Like, that's that's almost a prerequisite. You need a sure thing, an above-average quarterback, and that puts you in the conversation to win playoff games and maybe to win a Super Bowl, depending on how good your defense is. So for the Vikings, already having one of the best defenses in the NFL, mm-hmm. if they had a chance to maybe overpay, but to for sure solidify an above-average in his prime quarterback, it's the more we're removed from the actual signing the more obvious it is that this was the right move. Just just make it a certainty that you have this position covered. It's not a sure move, but I, I think the, the way to see it is this. They they spent a ton. It's a three-year contract, and, and it certainly breaks new ground in, in some ways in being completely guaranteed. But I think in the Vikings' favor is this. They didn't get cute here. They could have gotten cute. They could have said, we're going to try and draft one and trade it up. They could have said, well, Keenum was so good last year, let's bring him back. There, there could have been a lot of things where where with a roster that's set to win now, they could have gotten clever. I'm not saying that, that Cousins is going to work out for sure, but this to me was the one thing where they finally said, look, this is a, a, the most important position in all of sports probably, and we haven't solved it for how long? So let's not get cute. Let, let's put ourselves in, in 2018, in the best possible position from day one of camp to have at least what we consider to be some certainty. Well, let me let me take something you just said and flip it around. You said you're not sure if Cousins is going to work out. Well, that so I'm going to go more narrow there and say I'm sure that he's an above average quarterback. Like I know th- I know that he's not going to be a backup quarterback in the three years the Vikings have him. When you've been this credible for three years already with a lesser infrastructure, you're a starting quarterback. Like, there's no danger of him being backup caliber. Oh, my God, we're paying $30 million for a guy we can't play, like Brock Osweiler or maybe Case Keenum, who's been you know, who's been backup caliber for five years. So I think it works in that you know that you're getting a starting quarterback. And for me, I know that we're getting, if I'm the Vikings, an above-average quarterback. What's the downside of Kirk Cousins? Be cu- the downside is not backup. I was saying this. Uh, when when I said you, you're not sure it's going to work, my point was you're not sure it's going to result in a championship. But he he is the surest possible thing you could have done. Mm-hmm. I'm giving them credit. I'm I think that there there would have been ways to say, well, we can spend not quite as much if we bring Case back, or we could try and draft a quarterback, or we can try and make a trade for McCarron. I mean, you could try all those things. But the one thing that Spielman has, for, for the most part, aside from far for one season, the one thing that Rick Spielman, who got here in 2006, has never had, is at least some certainty. So yeah. they they did the they they gave they are giving themselves as much certainty a quarterback as you can possibly give yourself. Yeah, like I think so, I think they I eliminated it. downside, and that's a rarity for Vikings quarterbacks. I mean, think about how many times they've had what they thought was, you know 
Pro Bowl caliber upside, like, oh, Christian Potter's a first-round pick, but the exactly. downside is, whoa, he's a backup. Uh, you know, Matt Matt Castle, whoa, the downside is he's a backup. I don't think the downside for Hasselbeck, or for, uh, I'm sorry, for Cousins, is backup. I think the downside is, oh, he's like league average, and you're just overpaying for Correct. a league average guy. Um, so at, at least you have the assurance that, the bottom's not going to drop out like it did for a Brock Osweiler. Matt Hasselbeck is a longtime NFL quarterback, star for the Seahawks, and does a great job as an analyst on ESPN's platforms. And Matt, we're just talking about, thanks for joining the show, first off. We appreciate you calling in. And uh, we're talking about Kirk Cousins, and we found an article from like two years ago. Uh, this is January of 2016 that notes a conversation that you had with Kirk about leadership early in his in his career as a starter. What did you guys talk about? What did he ask you about in terms of leadership, and what was your advice to him? <laughs> yeah, I feel bad. This is like that uh, Ricky Bobby man. Like, uh, he's like, uh, hey, if you're not first, you're last. And he you know, bases his wife on it. Then he goes back. He's like, remember, you told me if you're not first, you're last. Man, I don't remember <laughs> even saying that. Like, that's the stupidest <laughs> thing anyone's ever said. You know, like, I almost feel like that. But, uh, you know, I don't remember what I specifically said. Hopefully it, it was uh, <laughs> something I would stand by today. I will say this, though. Kirk Cousins is one of my all-time favorite uh, quarterbacks that I've had a chance to sit down and talk with. And I feel like half the time I've learned more from him than, than I feel like I've given him back. But uh, to see the success that he's had uh, after the tough run, I think, in Washington where they really didn't believe in him, they said, hey, go prove it. You know, we're going to be a one-year deal. Go prove it. He proves it. The next year, hey, we don't believe in you. Go prove it. Proves it again. And the same thing over and over again. And so – um, I would count him as a guy every time that I've talked to him uh, that he does a nice job of asking really intelligent questions. Uh, I know he's asked me for advice, but he's also asked a lot of others, Peyton Mannings and the, uh, you know, just different, you know, guys that have been really successful. Um, and I think in his situation, you know, if I'm thinking back to the advice that, I, that you're probably referencing, it's, uh, it's just like, hey, man, you just worry about football. You know, Bill Walsh had a great, great coaching point. It said, just do things right all of the time, and the, the, the score will take care of itself. And I think as a quarterback, uh, there's so much that goes into your job. You're really just focusing in, in on uh, controlling what you can control one play at a time. Uh, things work out in the end, and clearly they've worked out for Kirk Cousins. Hey, Matt, what's that, that a transition like to going from being a backup uh, to being the, the guy when, when – you- you have, you know, a few years there where, where you, you sit behind a QB. And at that point, I'm sure there's some pe- people that doubt you. And then eventually you evolve and and you become the guy. Well, you think about Kirk in particular, you know, he was drafted there with uh, RG3. You know, he was the, the chosen one, if you will. You know, my, my rookie year was very different. You know, I was drafted to the Green Bay Packers and Brett Favre was coming off of his third consecutive MVP, his second consecutive Super Bowl. And he was the guy. And I was just, like, fortunate to get to be in the room. Andy Reid was my quarterback's coach at the time. And uh, he said, listen, uh, I'm going to coach Brett Favre. You and the other quarterbacks at the time, it was Doug Peterson and Rick Meyer. He was like, you guys just get to be in the room. And that was the mindset. And so to to take over as the starter on that same team, you're going to really have to win people, people over in the building. In my case, I got traded to Seattle and, you know, it was all of a sudden like, okay, now you're going to go be the quarterback, the franchise quarterback in Seattle. Uh, You've never played except for in the preseason. You're going to have to go win those, those people over. And it's, it's a little bit tough. They're looking at you like, well, who are you? What have you ever done? I think sometimes, uh, you know, being in that building 
maybe it's easier because they see how you work. They see how you compete and practice and how you play. And, um, you know, Kirk obviously won over his teammates there and became a great starting quarterback. But, uh, you know, it, it, I guess I guess the, the roles can be a little bit similar but also different. So what are the let's, – let's broaden this out too because, like, the NFL draft is coming up and – I think we've discussed on this show one of the hardest things, whether it's a free agent in Kirk Cousins or a, or a 22-year-old kid that you're trying to roll the dice on like a Sam Darnold, you don't get enough time to spend with that person to know if they're going to be able to handle, if they have emotional intelligence or if they're going to be uh, able to galvanize 52 guys. So how would you go about finding that out if it's someone that you haven't spent a lot of time around and you have to make a decision? Is this someone that's going to be able to be a leader and handle adversity and all those things? Physical qualities, you can kind of look at that on tape, right? But how do you measure the other stuff? Well, there's a lot of things that go into it. Number one, I would say this. Mel Kuyper came out with his mock draft 3.0 today. Five quarterbacks in the first 15 picks. Uh, That's huge. But none of those guys would have to play because these teams have already signed bona fide starters that could play year one. So that's big. Secondly, I was at Josh Rosen's Pro Day this this year, and I was talking to an offensive coordinator uh, for one of those teams that's drafting high, he was like, listen, I'm looking for the quarterback that fits my locker room, not everybody's locker room. I need a guy that's going to get along with my veteran center, that's going to get along in my quarterback room. You know, who's going to get along with Tyrod Taylor, Eli Manning, Josh McCown, Sam Bradford, Case Keenum, like those types of questions. What's the fit on my team, uh, you know, to go along with the fit, you know, with like – are you a mobile quarterback? Do you have a strong arm? Those types of things. And uh, I think it's pretty easy. If you know your team well, I think it's it's easier to draft. Hey, Matt, what in, in your, your mind, uh, what is the one thing or a couple of things that, that you think teams uh, don't do right when, when it comes to uh, trying to eval- evaluate QBs? Because, you know, it's such an important position, and we see certainly some hits, but we, we also see teams miss. If you were hired by a team and, and they said, what aren't we doing? What's one thing that you would suggest the teams could do uh, to be correct more often about uh, young quarterbacks? Well, it's a question I actually get a lot from you know GM, scouts, head coaches, coordinators, quarterback coaches. They ask me that exact question. Like, what are we overvaluing? And my thing is usually you're overvaluing everything at the combine. Everything. And you look at, you look at the best quarterbacks in the game, say, say this past year, or just say the Super Bowl, okay? You know, last year we had Tom Brady and we got Nick Foles. The year before that we got Tom Brady and we got Matt Ryan. How would those guys do at the Combine? They'd be awful. They'd be terrible. They'd be slow. They wouldn't be strong. They, you know, like all that stuff. But guess what? Those are the you know, quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. So I think we overvalue some of that stuff, and we don't put enough value on accuracy. Just pure throwing accuracy and i don't mean throwing on air i mean 11 on 11 accuracy and that's that's the thing you know people get enamored with height and weight and 40 times and and how far you can throw the ball or how hard you can throw the ball you know i I, if you just look at tom brady alone the the backup quarterbacks that he's had would have done better at the combine than him and yet he's the game's best quarterback so um to me ball placement's number one Matt, are you saying Tom Brady wouldn't be great in the three cone drill if he had to do it tomorrow? <laughs> Listen, I would go. I would go as far as to say the quarterbacks in the Pro Bowl. You know, the guys that were voted to the Pro Bowl the last few years, um, you know, aren't going to be the fastest quarterback on their team. They're not going to have the strongest arm on their team, and yet it doesn't matter. 
you're still going to find Drew Brees at the, at the Pro Bowl every year. Passing accuracy uh, is the number one reason why. Uh, one more thing for you here, and I, and I understand how absurdly early this question is, but just for fun, now that the Vikings have Kirk Cousins, they just signed Sheldon Richardson, and then they have to draft a few players here coming up. But do you think they can get back at least to where they were last year uh, with what they've added so far? Can they, can they at least get back to the NFC Championship game and maybe win a Super Bowl in your mind? Without a doubt, and and I really I believed in Case Keenum. I think Case Keenum's kind of the, the lost man in this thing. I thought he played excellent football uh, last year, and I, I didn't think he got the respect that he deserved for that. But uh, the Vikings getting Dalvin Cook back is going to be. Uh, I mean, I don't know if people realize just how impressive he was last year and the difference that he can make having him uh, all the time.